If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 334 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, a.k.a. the pod god, Severe Shawnee, Shawnee Shore Dog, the, the legend, whatever you want to call me, you can call me that. Uh, joined today by the Henry Shefflin of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald, as we talk about a, a fucking huge week and a huge day in the world of mixed martial arts. We're recording this at 24 minutes past 12 here after the UFC, so we can kind of get a bit of Sunday off, but um, most people are probably listening to this on Sunday. If you're listening to it, well, everyone's listening on Sunday, but if you're listening to it during the night on Sunday or in early morning, you're on Patreon, so hello, thank you to all our Patreon people. If you'd like to sign up to Patreon, Patreon.com forward slash Severe Podcast. I'm, I've gone full time now, so I, I need the money. Uh, so please sign up there. Loads of stuff going up. And f- on the 1st of November, when is it this day next week or, or in seven or eight days' time? Uh, the first of our uh, Graham's interviews, even. Uh, for the 10 year anniversary of Severe Mail begun up and then it'll be going up every Wednesday after that for what is it five or six weeks uh, so the first one up is uh, is Owen Roddy so that's gone up uh, Graham how long did you sit down with Owen Roddy for maybe 50 minutes or something like that very good chat I've, I've listened to most of, it, most of it so far so yeah uh, that's uh, a fantastic yeah. thing for everyone to look forward to try to keep them to about 40, 40 minutes but most of them most of them crept over yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah I've listened to maybe two or three of them so far myself and uh, they're, they're really fun so I can't wait for everyone uh, to hear them but first of all before we get into all the MMA attention to our listeners across the galaxy all the way from Australia to Houston do we have a pew problem uh, if so our, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation brand new lawnmower 4.0 kick your pubes into the next planet with the performance package 4.0 the orbits in your pads will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in grooming join the two million men worldwide who trust manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20 percent off and free shipping with the code severe MMA and ready for an out of this world experience. Look no further than the performance package 4.0, which I know myself, uh, Graham, uh, and, and you have been using the uh, the lawnmower 4.0 for a long time now. Well, since, actually, not a long time, only since it came out there uh, during the during the year. It's available now in the US, Canada, UK, Ireland, across Europe, uh, South Africa, Singapore, Australia, and all those places as well. You So you get um, that 4.0 weed, weed whacker for your ear and nose. You get the uh, crop preserver, crop reviver, and the boxers as well as the travel bag. Uh, so the first thing scheduled for liftoff is a 4.0, which I mentioned uh, this spaceship is here to guide you on the journey to trim your body, balls, butt, and even your anus. This fourth generation trimmer also features the cutting edge ceramic blade grooming, uh, which uh, uh, stops accidents from happening in advanced skin safe technology. 
and uh, has a 7000 rpm motor and multifunction on and off switch which can engage travel lock and it's even waterproof 4000k led spotlight which you can turn on and off uh, when it's needed for a more precise shave throughout the galaxy also included in the performance package 4.0 weed whacker for the those and ear hair 7000 rpm motor power 360 degree rotary dual blade system uh, proprietary skin safe technology which helps prevent nick snags and tugs in those delicate holes and a pro- crop preserver as well ball deodorant and the crop reviver to help get your two little planets uh under a game while feeling the sun's heat manscaped all trained the two free gifts with boxers and a shed travel bag so a bar terry balls and buzz lightyear that woody <laughs> went manscaped uh get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code severe mma at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off and free shipping with the code severe mma at manscaped.com for a clean trinity and beyond your ball your space balls will thank you manscape.com promo code severe me right graham mixed martial arts we uh, do you know what we've been kind of getting away from the the uh, events that have just happened uh for the last few weeks but i think we will start with the event that just happened um because i suppose the big story of this week was paulo costa and marvin vittori and um the whole weight cutting debacle uh, Paulo Costa kind of came out and was like, oh, I'm probably not going to make weight uh, during the week. Maybe, what, Tuesday, Wednesday, Marvin Vittori was like, I don't care. I'm probably f- not going to make weight. He was just like, yeah, I'm not, yeah. I don't care about weight at all. I'm completely unprofessional and deal with it. Yeah, which I I, I get into my thoughts in a second, but Marvin Vittori was like, Grant, I'll fight you at 205. And Paulo Costa was like, ah, well, look, we got 195. And then... And a couple of days later, I think he realised he probably wasn't going to make 195. So he's like, do you know what? 205 sounded good to me. And fair play, in fairness to Vittori, I don't think he's a guy with loads of fans. But uh, a few people I saw him tweeting it, I think he earned a few fans this week. And he was pretty gangster. He took the fight at 205, even though uh, he knew he would be badly undersized. Um, look, to me, <laughs> I thought it was, it was one of those weeks in MMA where it wasn't like a serious... Um, like week that we've we've had him before before you know McGregor and Aldo when the Aldo when Aldo got injured and you know the Mendes fight was but and we've had loads of him with John Jones with DC when the fight was called off and this was kind of one of the ones where even if it was called off this card was kind of you know it was the one good fight on the card so it kind of ruined it but still like you're moving from one fight to no fights that people really cared about so what's the difference really but uh, I I just found it all very funny and I think it's because. Like the two of them are pretty unlikable characters. I think the, uh, I've always thought it myself about Vittori, especially. And as I said, maybe again a few more fans after this. But I feel like this uh, this week everyone kind of <laughs> was kind of on the same boat as me. It was like, well, I don't really like either of them. But uh, did, did were you? The, thing, on I liked, the, the yeah. thing I liked most about Vittori was in his post fight interview he called uh, Costa a cunt, which I thought was. Uh, <laughs> was great oh, oh that's hilarious like i yeah the word cunt is a great word it's that and he, i think he what a brilliant word some people are so word, offended yeah. by it but it's it, it's a brilliant word he said he said it to bisping as well he's like as you'd say he's a cunt so he just like put it on bisping <laughs> i was like i didn't i'm not saying this now you would say this he's a cunt so yeah look i think that word as well is what if american viewers or listeners here listening in they're probably like oh jesus they're saying the word cunt whereas in Ireland, it's like in a very Ireland or Australia. Yeah. It's like a, every third word. Yeah, like and like to call someone a sound cunt is like one of the nicest things you could ever say about someone. So 
well. Like, yeah, he, he didn't use it in a friendly way here, though. But, uh, yeah, I, I, look, I think the, the pre-fight... For, for the pre-fight, were you more on, like, the, the funny side of it or the unprofessional side? Because, I, I, to be honest, I was more on the funny mm. side. I didn't really care. I, I, I thought it was very unprofessional, but... Uh... You know, it, it did all kind of add to the drama. I didn't, I didn't really find it funny, but it, it did add to the, it did add something to the fight. I think it got pe- people talking about it more, and it made it more interesting uh, in 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 a little way in terms of that to see like, you know, what cost is going to look like, what what the size difference is going to look like, how how Vittori will deal with it, and stuff like that. So I think it added a little dimension to it, but. Uh, it is wildly unprofessional to just not bother making weight. Like, yeah, Costa. Yeah, it is. In fairness, Costa is one of my favorite fighters in the world for just like acting as if he hasn't a clue and just and just like putting like, like a blank expression on his face. So like, oh, what do you mean? Like, oh, what's happened? What's going? What's going on here? And uh, and missing weight by twenty. What do you mean? I poke. That's 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 illegal. <laughs> yeah, we we we'll get into that in a second, but yeah. I, uh, I, I I just thought it was funny. Like, Fittori didn't really seem to give a shit either. And he got an, an extra 20%, I'm sure, maybe a bit more. So he's probably happy enough. But, um, yeah, look, I, I saw a lot of people say it. And, look, I'm, I'm kind of making a laugh at it here. And it is. If this happened in most fights, I would be probably on the same uh, you know, side as everyone else. But a lot of people were saying, you know, the same thing happened with Nick Diaz, Robbie Lawler different sort of thing i think i think robbie lawler was probably happy enough to to go up and, and fight at the weight class above and didn't make much of a difference this one as well it's it is that 20 pounds which is a lot you know or, or uh yeah 20 pounds which which is a good bit as well and especially when you already probably have a size advantage over a guy and it's going to be a, to your advantage so yeah it's um it's not something you'd want to see creeping into MMA, especially at this level. Like, if two lads come in and go, here, you know, like, uh, I remember Peter Quealy and Ryan Scope did it one time. They are like, here, we bother cutting. Let's just fight at 170, I think it was. And they were like, yeah, grand, let's do it. And that's, you know, if that happens, I'm all for that. And this fight turned out to be a great fight as well. And I think the lack of weight cuts actually helped it. But, um, yeah, I, I would uh, I would like if people decided to go up a weight class and fight up a weight class um in a lot of different times but maybe when it's a fight like this which maybe is, if they agree it like a few weeks out yeah yeah you know. or if you know a fight like this which is very close to you know a number one contender fight if you want to put it that way both lads are right there or thereabouts even though they've lost recently for the title um it probably should be at the weight where the the weight class are fighting at and, and the meaning uh it has but yeah however uh let, let's get into the fight sure yeah, so starting off the fight, it was one of those ones. That, uh, they said, sometimes they say things in the commentary, uh, and I just like completely throw it out the window and don't really take uh, or acknowledge it at all. But I kind of was agreeing with him here. I thought Costa looked very tired after about three minutes, and when you do fail to kind of make weight, it does have this thing about like, well, was he injured? Is he just gone in there to throw three minutes of heat, try to win? And then, look, if I lose, I lose. And it did seem like that to me. But then he just kept going and going and going. And he won the fifth round. We'll we get into all the rounds. But uh, what, what were you thinking early on the fight? Were you thinking he was just going in there for the early lockout? Or is, in fairness, though, this is kind of the way Paulo Costa fights. But the, the whole wake up coming before it was just an odd start to this fight, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I, I do think, you know, his best his best chance of winning was to go for the early knockout. Um and that's kind of what he's done historically. Obviously, maybe he's you know maybe gassed out a little bit more in the in the in the El Romero fight than this fight. Maybe due to having to cut more weight. But uh, you know, um, I thought Costa didn't like he didn't look that bad. Um, 
it was kind of how I expected the fight to go. I, I didn't expect him to kind of come on so strong in the fifth with all, with all those body kicks and uh, be so strong there. But obviously that was that was probably you know. Uh, I think people underestimate how much uh, of a of a drain on the body a uh, weight cut is, especially for for somebody like Costa who's cutting a lot of weight and is is big for the the weight class. So, yeah, I think like even with all the benefits he got from that, which I think were were plentiful, I think you know he just got out worked and out pressured and out toughed by Vittori. And you yeah. know Costa's a tough guy, but I think Vittori is like kind of. Uh, I think one of his main strengths is is kind of his ability to just kind of walk forward and you know even though he was taking these brutal body shots that you know a lot of guys would have at least kind of uh, taken a back step from he he just he just pushes forward and I think you know that just was too much for Costa in the end I think the the style matchup was kind of always going to be that way but uh, you know um, I don't know I think. You know, both guys are are definitely you know at the top of the division, but they're just there's just such a skill gap between both of them and the champion Adesanya. Yeah. And, and even I don't think we saw it. Yeah. yeah, and I don't think we saw anything in 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 the fight like that we didn't know about either guy or that will Adesanya will be looking at and thinking, oh, I'm gonna have to worry about that in the rematch or anything like that. So yeah. I don't think we learned that much from the fight really, except maybe. Costa can go a bit longer when he doesn't bother cutting weight. Yeah, that's probably what the only I, thing we I learned. I agree. It's, it's probably a fight as well, where, which maybe we learned that Costa might be better at two hundred five altogether. Uh, but I think you you hit, I, I think you made a good point there, saying it was the fight we kind of expected. But in a weird way, it was like I was probably if you had asked me this time last week, I would have expected a fight like this, and I, I predicted that Vittori would win in this sort of fashion. But then as the week went on. And as the first round went on, I was expecting a completely different fight. So, like, I, I feel like on second watch, this will be a fight which... And I, I think even during the fight, maybe in the f- third or fourth round, I kind of realised that, that we were like... And everyone online, even and even in the commentary book, were analysing a different fight to what was actually happening because it did look like he was getting tired, but then it did turn into a fight where Paulo Costa is kind of tired throughout the whole fight. A bit, I think, the boys in the comment of in podcast call it the uh, the Mark Coleman uh, or the, is it the show, Shogun or Mark Coleman? I, I I think it's Mark Coleman uh, where he just looks tired all the time, but he keeps throwing, and uh, that that certainly was Costa here, but. Just to go quickly, kind of go through the rounds. I thought the first round was very close, and everyone kind of scored a Vittori, and I scored it for Vittori too. But Costa was landing some shots. I know Vittori was maybe landing in more volume throughout the fight, and he was landing hard as well. But Costa, it's it's one of those ones where does the volume along with the hard shots make up for just the hard vo- shots when Costa is landing slightly more hard shots? That's a you know that's. A lot, a lot of the time, the question of judging, and sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. And I think just about in the first round it did. Um, in the second round, then I think it didn't because Costa landed that big head kick. But there was also the point taken uh, for the eye poke. Uh, apparently, Herzog had had warned him in the first round. I didn't hear it, but I might have been distracted. But if he did warn him, he absolutely deserved it because his fingers. I'd say he must have warned him because he was. Yeah, he was extending his fingers badly. a lot. It was yeah. noticeable. Yeah. So yeah, it would have been kind of egregious from the referee if he hadn't have warned him. Yeah, and it was a pretty bad one as well. We saw a few of them, uh, and like. If I, he I immediately kicked him in the balls as well, straight after the restart, <laughs> after the eye poke, yeah, and sure, before he was just like, "Oh, whatever." <laughs> why would you? Why would you? But that head kick before that was absolutely massive, and he almost finished him. Um, so I thought that was enough to to take the round. In the, the third round, 
I thought the third round was the first round where it kind of settled, you know, and Marvin was getting a little bit uh, on top. It was relatively close, but I thought the pop in Costa's shots were kind of gone a little bit here, and he did catch a second wind after it, but Marvin got on top late as well after Costa got a bit of a takedown, uh, and he deserved to win that. And I thought in the fourth round as well, Vittori's volume won it. Costa was landing hard as well, but just not enough, uh, and he came out in the fifth in Costa was just landing body shot after body shot after body shot. So uh, I had a three rounds to two, uh, to Vittori with the the point taken as well, but one, I three, four, yeah. yeah, I could have seen one going to Costa, and if it did, it would have been a draw uh, with the point taken, obviously. So it was look, it was one of those rounds. You go into it in the in, into the last round, and he's a few uh, Vittori's a few points up, but it's a much closer fight, <sighs> you know, than, than that suggests. I thought. You know, he, he did go out and win the fifth round and he did look to try and finish it, but his corner were telling him that he was either ahead or even, or tied up going into the last round. Which oh, are they? was oh, very bad advice. Yeah. I didn't realise that. Yeah, that is, <laughs> that is pretty bad advice, but yeah. It was, like, the cornering over the last while has has, <laughs> has not been great at all times. And I don't know. Um, yeah, it's hard to know how you'd take Costa was ahead in this one, but... Uh, it's it's an odd judging fighting. I I I'd actually be interested to go back and watch it again, and maybe I'll do that before the Q and A. Um, because as as I was watching it, I was I kept on thinking like, right, think it, think at a criteria, think of the more effective strikes, and I couldn't bring myself to give those you know those closer rounds. The the four not not really, but the first. I don't know. That first round was a big fucking round. I think it really was. I thought I thought it was a very very close round, but yeah. Um. Look, overall, I just think Vittori was a little bit faster to the punch and just a little bit more skillful. Um, and even though, like, for it felt like the whoever was going uh, the person closer to the finish at all the time throughout the fight or at any time throughout the fight was without a shadow of a doubt Costa, but still Vittori was kind of winning those in between bits and he did enough to take it uh, take it in the end anyway. But I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good fight. It reminded me a little bit of, of Colby Covington versus Usman in that it was not the fight I was expecting, but then when I kind of think back on it immediately, I think it was a better fight uh, <laughs> that maybe I gave it credit for. So, you know, all's well and good. And Vittori moves on and climbs that uh, 185-pound division and maybe um, maybe Costa moves up and goes to 205 or, you know, we'll see what happens next one. But I'm sure, the you know, the excuses or the reasons for the, the way it will, will come out uh, during it. But uh, it'll be I'll be interested to see, uh, see what's said and to see what happens. Um... Before that, though, there was, you know, not the best card in the world. We will go through it relatively quickly here. Graham, if you've anything to, to say, you can you can kind of stop me up in the middle of it here because we won't dwell on it too much. Grant Dawson uh, got the got a draw with uh, Ricky Glynn. Who yeah, good to... comeback by Ricky Glynn. Yeah. Um, you know, he was two rounds down and he, he nearly, very nearly got the finish. It looked like uh, Dawson was kind of semi-conscious at the end of the, at the, end of the fight. He was trying to trying to sit up but kind of falling and Rick Lamb was kind of pointing on him being like he's out he's out I don't think he was out but he was you know I'd say close enough to going out so I think uh, the 10-8 was uh, was a good was a good scorecard in that third round yeah. and the draw was fair it, it was very interesting into the fight because it was um uh, Mike Beltran who was the referee and he was looking at Dawson as he got up and the rule is I'm pretty sure now but pe pe maybe people can remind me but if you're out and you kind of can't get up on your own two feet at the end of the fight, it can be ruled a, a TKO or a submission or whatever it would be. I, I presume it would be a TKO at the end of that. So, you know, he was like, 
I would say he was, what, 75% out? But he managed to get up, and cute enough, James Krause came in as he was just got up and, like, caught him and brought him over. And then my Pelcher was like, oh, wait, he's up. So, uh, you know, very, very cute stuff from James Krause there and safeties, man. You know, he could have won it. A lot of people were saying 10-8 in the first as well. I just didn't think it was quite enough. He wasn't a million miles away. You know, we look at the 3Ds. Uh, but I, I did think, um, like, when you look at the third round... And you look at all the shots he landed, and then he, he basically choked about at the end. Like, that's effective grappling, and he almost got towards the end of the fight. So that's, the t- you know, we talk about damage or impact. That had a big impact on the fight, um, and that's one of the Ds and the most important Ds. So I, t- I thought the 10-8 was absolutely justified there. Uh, I don't think Doug Crosby gave it, so it was definitely a 10-8. Um, so yeah, <laughs> good, good judging there from from everyone not named Douglas Crosby. So fair play to them there. Uh, Jessica Rose Clark and Jocelyn Edwards put on a fucking boring 15 minutes. Not worth talking about. Alex Caceres, though, what a comeback this was against uh, Sugwoo Chai. Love a bit of Bruce Leroy. You have to... Uh, Chai hurt Caceres a few times. Landed that big illegal knee. We'll be talking about illegal knee later on again. Um... He, a great refereeing again here by Jason Herzog. Like, I thought it was a great night for the officials. Anyway, Jason Herzog um, stopped the fight on the illegal knee. Um, gave Caceres his time to obviously recover. Went over uh, to Choi and took away the point. It could, look, it was either disqualification or a point taken. Or maybe even two points taken. Because I thought... Like, if you looked at him, he, he Caceres did wobble back pretty badly. And, like, when you take away a point, it's... The, the it's to um to cover like the accumulative damage that strike has for the rest of the fight or you know you could you could talk about it that way anyway and I thought maybe two points would have been enough because he hurt him so badly there uh but I think Herzog made the right choice it's it's a big a big big thing to take the two points but however it didn't fucking matter because um uh, your boy Bruce Leroy came out and he got the rear naked choke and uh what what a like Bruce Leroy is one of those guys I remember I I had bet on him against uh, Cron Gracie. I thought he was going to win, and he kind of threw away that fight. And is it since that? Let me just look at his record here. I'm pretty sure it's since that. Yeah, he's on um he's on a five fight winning streak since that. Uh, what like? Yeah, he's he, he, he is one of these guys who just when you kind of are starting to get impressed by him, thinking thinking he's turned the corner, he comes out with a stinker over the uh, performance. Hold on, is he the, is he the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer of the UFC? Is that is that what you're saying? Ah, uh, he's, he's not that bad, man. <laughs> I apologize. I apologize, Alex. I don't yeah. know. I didn't mean it. You know. What? 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 What does just on a quick aside here? What does Ole Gunnar Solskjaer think about Ferguson saying you start your best players when he ah, never sure. started for Man He never started for Man United. Oh, that's a. I hadn't thought about that actually. That's a good point, isn't it? In fair, you know, you have you have me there. You have him there. In fair, I don't care. I want him out. Bring in uh, anyone else. But that is that is a very very fair way. He wasn't. But he how could you? Man United legend Steve Bruce is, is available. Yeah, fuck it. I'd nearly take him now at this stage. <laughs> I'd nearly take him. But anyway, uh, fair play, fair play to Alex Caceres. Uh Some of these fights in in the middle I missed because I was watching Bellator, and we will get to Bellator in a second. Uh, Francisco Trinaldo won a split decision yeah. against Dwight Grant. Thought that should have been a draw. Um... Yeah, there's a point uh, taken well, there, wasn't there? Point taken from Trinaldo in, in the third round, and I thought that should have made it a draw, but it was a split decision for Trinaldo in the end. I'd have to go back and watch it. What happened in the fight close. there? Give us an old rundown of it. Uh, you know, Trinaldo's obviously you know uh, very strong in the in the first round, comes out and you know it looks like it's going to be all his way, and Grant turns it around, and then in the third round, you know, um, Trinaldo's winning winning the round, and obviously gets the point 
taken for an eye poke. There's eye poke a series of, you know, usually eye pokes don't get points taken, but uh, on this card, the refs were the refs were pretty quick about taking taking the the eye poke um, points, which I think is actually a very good thing because I've watched a lot of people fighters spar in the gym like thousands of rounds or hundreds of rounds and it's very very rare i don't think i've ever seen an eye poke like i can't remember ever seeing an eye poke in a spar so you when you're there with your friends or? yeah i do i think a lot of them are on purpose i think that when they're there with their friends or their sparring partners they're being safe or they're being a bit more reckless with the with the hands when because it benefits them like historically you can like this card is an exception this point's being taken but historically you get away with all sorts of fouls so why not do them we've talked about it before you know you're kind of like if they're going to let you grab the fence if they're going to let you eye poke if they're going to let you away with a few ball shots then why not take them yeah <laughs> you know it's what true. I mean it kind of seems smart it's true the first one's always free so you might as well yeah I, I, I yeah it seems right? like you know like if if you're allowed in, in soccer get away with like kicking the guy over in the box the first time when he's about to score then you're obviously going to do it like yeah, I was watching the Liverpool match against uh, uh, Atletico Madrid as well. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a clear penalty. What, what was your man doing yeah, 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 on the Jada there? No, uh, and a total aside as well. Uh, anyone, you should watch that uh, Juventus documentary on Netflix about, uh, you know, the match fixing and stuff. Just on a complete yeah, yeah, aside. Yeah, exactly. If you want to know how Ferguson won any all his titles, yeah, it'll give you a good insight into that. Well, who? And what, and and if you're wondering why um, a Manchester referee is refereeing the Manchester Liverpool game tomorrow, that might give you some insight into that I, too. Do you know, I was I was watching that actually as well, and it was what year was it? 2006. AC Milan were actually um, they had points deducted as well. Did, did they have any big games or anything the year before that? What year? What year was it? What year did Liverpool win the Champions League around then? Oh, I think it was. I think it was the 2004-2005 season, was it? Yeah, maybe it was. Yeah, it was the year after they got banned. Yeah, I, I, but they was, they were involved in them, yeah. trying to yeah, trying match, to match um, fixing crowd that were cheating up at half time. Yeah, no, 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 it was it was choosing know. referees. I think you're changing what happened, yeah, but uh, no, yeah, they wouldn't be doing anything else. I don't think AC Milan rigged themselves to embarrass themselves. Yeah, just just lost the best team in the world. Lost to a team with Jimmy Shore that were treating up at half time. Yeah, that's yeah. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely allegedly, brilliant alle- win. Allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. Yeah, anyway. Uh, I didn't see... Uh, did you see Nick Negurmiano against Ike Villanueva? He got... Uh, I was watching Fedor at this time. He uh, he won in the first round. Uh, Gregory Rodriguez... Yeah, it's annoying having to... Uh, oh, I hate we it. talked about it before, but fuck's sake, you can't really watch either. It seems like it's happening every week now. This is so stupid. Like, Bellator and UFC need to start... It's Bellator. Like, Bellator, just put your card on a Friday night so we can watch it all, and then we'll watch all like, the, the UFC. Like, the UFC is barely on air. Like, the, what is it, like, five times a year it's on early yeah and then Bellator put one of their cards on early it's It's just like oh my god I don't understand I honestly do not understand why they're doing it like Bellator are also on Showtime now in America so it's not a thing as if they're going to get better ratings than them like you know WCW and WWF back in the day it's just it's not possible because Showtime is like one of these pay-per-view channel-ish you know it's like BT Sports versus the BBC or something like that it's just not going to happen you know so uh, anyway, yeah, it's that. That's really the big thing from this, and like KSW was on as well. I think they made a mistake on at the same time as well. But even it, like I, I don't mind them so much because if they had gone earlier and in the UFC or Bellator was later, I think that's actually a good thing for them and a good thing for Cage Warriors as well. But um, yeah, when you Bellator or like it's Bellator's fault. Why are Bellator going at the same time as the UFC? It's just so, and it's this is like three events in a row now they've done. They've done this. 
and it's literally doing nothing but taking viewers away from your product. It is the stupidest, stupidest thing you could do. And I think Bellator have done a lot of good things over the, over the last while, and I like their product. I actually, I've been doing the Bellator previews in Shardog, and I think they have some good prospects coming through like they have had for the last few years. But um, it's just utter stupidity. Real, real utter stupidity. But anyway, we'll get back to this car. Gregory Rodriguez got a beautiful comeback win against uh, Jung Young Park. Uh, that was that was a probably fight at night, maybe. Maybe knockout at night. Then Mason Jones. What do you think of Mason Jones, Graham? I, th- I thought... Look, for me, and I tweeted out, Mason Jones is a guy who kind of dominates long periods of the fight, but every shot he takes, it feels like about he has to land about five to get a similar sort of impact because he, he has an unbelievable chin and he takes shots really, really well. But the kind of the effect it has on him, his face is always reddening up and a bit of blood coming and it knocks his head back. It just... It, and it's not that he has a it, it's the opposite in fact not that he's a bad gene he's a good gene and is well able to absorb uh, well able to absorb but you, shot. yeah but you, you can, can really it. notice yeah. yeah you can really you can really notice when he takes it some some guys are just like that i don't know i think maybe like a bit of paler skin and a bit of you know just natural reaction some guys can just kind of look like they can get hit clean and yeah. and, you, and you're thinking oh did that hit the shoulder because you're they didn't react you know what I mean? But then you have other guys like Phil Davis who shell up or guys like Mason Jones who is, it is noticeable. And that, that, that that's going to cost you like in, in really close rounds when, you know, when when a judge isn't sure if, if you've landed on the other guy because he's taken it very well and he's sure that you've been landed on because you, you've kind of shown the effects of the, of the shot then, you know, that may come back to haunt him. Obviously, Obviously, he's uh, he's won here, and you know he won unanimously. But um, yeah, I think you know obviously there's going to be higher caliber opponents. He's going to he's he's going to face in his in his future, and you know I think although he's a very very good prospect, he does have you know a lot of things to work on, and that's normal. Obviously, he's he's just coming to the UFC recently uh, from Cage Warriors, where he, you know he 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 isn't exactly an experienced veteran of Cage Warriors. He's kind of still young in his career so there's definitely a lot of potential there but as you said there, there, there definitely is some things he can, he can work on and yeah. um, kind of I don't know if you can I don't know if that's a thing you can work on if that's a natural I, reaction do you know what I think might help it and he did it at one stage here he kind of went for a takedown in the middle of the exchanges and I think that's a thing that might help him you know land your shots and then get that fucking takedown or push him against the cage land your shots again change things up you know we're always advocating for kind of that changing things up even if you just go for a takedown and take them out of their rhythm I really think that can help but yeah like it's it's like it's just some certain lads with long hair and they get hit and the hair while flying back it makes it look yeah. so well, it was like, yeah, it's like when you have like a. I think Gunnar Nelson had a mullet for the Santiago George Santiago fight. Was it that fight? And uh, he was there was loads of shots where he just dodged them by pulling back, but it looked like because the hair flew that he got hit, or when he got hit slightly, it looked like he got hit heavier because you know the hair is flying. So yeah, you know, um, <laughs> you definitely want to keep that hair tight. Um, <laughs> and Mr. Jones even doesn't have long hair; it's just he's hater. Though. I don't know; he's like a wobbly hater. I don't know what it is with it, but <laughs> wobbly <I'm>, head. <laughs> Mr. Jones, wobbly head. Anyway, uh, Tabata Ritchie. I thought she looked good against uh, Maria Oliveira. Won the uh, on the unanimous decision. Uh, Jamie Pickett and Strapoli. Nothing to write home about in that one. Uh, Jai Herbert, though, another guy who looked very, very good in this, and you know got the the beautiful KO against Cam Ordi. Yeah, felt like. Combination there, barrage yeah. at the end there, and you know, Joy Herbert's a guy we've been watching for years, and you know, he's really kind of, you know, 
uh, uh, Worthy is is like a pretty good opponent. Like this this fight could have went either way, in my opinion. Like coming into it, I like I would have picked Joy Herbert, but I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have been too confident. But uh, he re- he kind of you know really seized the moment when it, when he heard him, and it's great to see him doing well there. You know, he's obviously we've 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 seen him how it can go with one of his previous opponents, Reese McKee, if if you kind of get thrown in there and the wrong circumstances, how, how badly it can go. And, you know, with Joe Herbert, it's kind of turned around and hopefully Reese McKee and other guys that have, that it hasn't worked out for too well can, can get back in there and get a kind of fair crack of the whip. Yeah, I, I, yeah, and look, it's happened to lots. It happened to Mason, Mason Jones as well, and it's, uh, you know, Nathaniel Wood and a few of the lads that have come in now have got very tough matchups. So, yeah, I, I don't like. I know a few people said, "Oh, three weeks we started. It really hasn't. We've been talking about this for probably even months. Duke and Wall when he came in, like you know, obviously he was an uber prospect. But we were like, yeah. uh, you know, maybe they could match him up a little better here. I think it's since Connor. <laughs> like uh, I think Connor kind of shocked them with the level of that game, and then. You know the other lads that kind of came after him as well. I I don't know. Yeah, it was weird. But anyway, Je- yeah, Jai Herbert was was really good here, and uh, a beautiful finish and beautiful finish as well for Jeff Molina. Straight right, right down the middle. Beautiful stuff all together. Randa Marcus got her usual uh, unanimous decision win. Moves to eleven and eleven. Uh, but I've I've a soft spot for Lan- uh, Randa Marcus. I think she's a good fighter. Jonathan Martinez as well. Moved to fourteen and four with his win there. So let's pop the Bellator here. Uh, and talk about that as well, and we'll get tonight's... Actually, before we get the bell, K- KSW was on tonight as well, and Pudzianowski absolutely slept on Bardier, uh, who got a beautiful picture with Sean Dini during the week. Um, a beautiful knockout after, what, was it 16 seconds or something like that? You see that online grab is absolutely brilliant. So, uh, Pudzian- like, Pudzianowski's put together a pretty good career, you know, and um, they, they faced He's off. come a long way since going purple after about two minutes and nearly falling <laughs> over. <laughs> yeah, well, it didn't go this far, so maybe maybe he hasn't. He'd only been like about 18 seconds. So, yeah, they they, uh, they faced off uh, Saldic and uh, and Mamed Kaladov as well, and that's going to happen uh, around the middle of uh, December. So that's... Uh, a fucking fun fight, and I cannot wait for that. I know I said it a couple of months ago. It's one of the best fights you can put on outside of the UFC, so I'm really, really looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to catching up on KSW. I'm Sean Dini was over there. He said it was a great card, so yeah, I'm looking uh, looking forward to catching up on that, but I did see the main event, and uh, as always, it was, it was fun. Uh, but to Bellator... Um, like on, on the undercard Aiden Lee got a gun rear naked choke win there there was a few fights fell out I think um, the Shurovich fight against uh, Bosnian fell out uh, and another one as well where is it here oh no that, that fight didn't fall out sorry actually Shurovich won that fight uh, by ground pound in the first round Irina Alekseva as well yeah. won unanimous Kreskov was meant to fight uh, happy love yeah he was yeah and that fight fell out but a couple of fights fell out last uh, just re- uh, over the last couple of days but anyway um, uh, we'll get back to Brian Moore obviously in a second um, and that fight uh Katarinza Shadora beat Darina uh, Mazucic, and she was the one who fought like that big fat lad who was about fifty stone last year. I was obviously preview this card and uh, watching a bit of her. She's not the best fighter in the world. I wasn't surprised to see her lose here. Uh, Kirill Slidnikov then uh, knocked out Ra- Rab Truesdale. Uh, Anatoly Tokov, I'm surprised he didn't get the knockout, but he did get the win. It was a split decision. It was uh, it was a good fight against uh, Sharaf uh, Delat Moradov. 
Uh, Usman Nurmagomedov got the submission as predicted by yours truly, nearly 6-1. to one. Uh, Pileta, just a complete... I don't know if it was predicted. It was kind of suggested it could be worth yeah, at that price. Yeah, it was. Uh, I had a bad betting week this time. I, I got one out of four and I've one left uh, as well. But um, yeah, uh, he got a good win over uh, Pileta. It was just easy. Um, and then the, the, the other three fights uh, Soma versus Vitaly Minikov first I don't know if you saw this it was kind of Minikov won the first round was, second round yeah. was close and then Minikov got his finger stuck in his glove um, and tried to call like a timeout basically yeah, and you just at, can't do that like. at that stage right so Brian Minor was the referee what do you, what's he supposed to do at that stage he can't just say oh look the, the glove is it's stuck in the glove uh, I'll give you a timeout. Let's get it free. He's thinking like, oh, this guy's finger's broken. Like everyone watching was, he can't continue. He's trying to free it up. I have to end this fight. He's not going to intelligently defend himself, which I think was the right decision at the time. Uh, it's And in watching the back like 10 seconds later, I think everyone's like, ah, oh, fuck. You know, I was, when he took out the finger, I, and look, maybe the finger was actually dislocated and he put it back in to, you know, in which case it was the right decision the whole way around. I do think it was the right decision still, but it was one of those ones where I think Brian Miner was absolutely correct. I don't think anyone would, would criticize him here. But it was just, it was a, like a little bit unfortunate. What, what did you think of it? Yeah, it's, it's unsatisfying, but I, I, I thought that it was either broken or dislocated. And I, yeah, I, me too. I, assume, I think now it probably was dislocated and he pulled it back into place and, and just said, here, I can go. But you, you can't just take a break and like fix yourself yeah <laughs> when you make that decision <laughs> time out time out, time out. i need yeah. to fix something here yeah, there, you, you can't just do that there might have been a bit of a language barrier as well there i'd say i don't know i don't know how good brian miner's russian is <laughs> but uh but uh yeah but so i thought he looked better here in this fight than he has i watched a bit of him and you know he's he's a good fighter and he's a bad fighter in the, in the same he, he just waits and waits and waits and waits and when he's he fights, still inexperienced i suppose yeah, well. he is but when he when he fights he's very good but he just I feel like he doesn't fight enough, but um, this this will bring him on, obviously, into Quinder and have a few minutes with Minikov. What was it, thirteen minutes or so? Pretty pretty good, and may, maybe they can put on the rematch. I wouldn't mind seeing that again. Um, but uh, we we get to uh, Fedor after we talk about Brian Moore. Obviously, if anyone didn't see the Brian Moore fight, um, it was a it was it was a tough tough matchup uh, against um, against a tough tough Russian in uh in um uh, Nikita Mikhailov so the the fight started and Mikhailov immediately kind of got a takedown um uh, like it was uh, more went for the guillotine went for an inverted triangle uh but Mikhailov landed some big big ground and pound in and he caught him with an elbow in round 2 there was a takedown immediately uh and I think there was I think it was the a shot at the end of the first round that really hurt Brian Moore and he just stopped moving in his normal way. And after that, he stopped defending in the right way. Uh, he almost got up at one stage towards the end of the second, but he couldn't break the grip and he ended up getting suplexed. And he just really wasn't making the, the right decisions. Uh, it started toward um, Mikhailov almost got the Sulawave stretch, uh, but Moore ended up on the back. He almost got the rear naked choke and then he was at the back for a good bit and for ages. And I felt like at the start of the third, Moore started doing the right things again. You know, he kind of get his his legs back under him or his head back back together, and he started making the right decisions. Okay, he did get get taken out and stuff, but almost had that rear naked choke and that arm bar towards the end. Literally, if there was another ten seconds, I think the fight would have been over. Brian Moore would have won it. So, you know, lost twenty nine twenty eight, but was literally on the verge of winning as the fight ended. Great comeback from Brian Moore, but just not enough in the end. Graham. 
Yeah, it was good to see him go for the armbar. You know, obviously it's a low percentage submission and you risk losing the position, but time was, you know, against him and he was he was two rounds down, so you might as well go for it when you've been fishing for the rear naked choke for, what, two or three minutes and you haven't been able to get it. You've kind of... He, he had one kind of, I think, about 30 seconds after he took the back and put the body triangle and he had kind of yeah. his best chance at the rear naked choke. And once he hadn't got that, once the guy doesn't get the first one, you kind of... It's it's less likely he's going to get the next one. So I think it was a good decision to go to the arm bar. Obviously, he knew he was in a position where he needed to, you know, make something happen. And I think he, as you said, I think he was very close to it. Like when he, you know, he didn't have the arm outstretched, but I think he was two or three seconds away from outstretching the arm and probably 10 seconds or 15 seconds away from getting the tap. Or, you know, maybe, you know, he, he, he might have lost the position. He might have escaped, but... It was definitely, um, you know, a good a good fight back from from Brian. But you know, in the end, I think the the twenty nine twenty eight was pretty pretty clear. Yeah, like I, I would agree with all that. Like it, it's one of those ones where we talked about it last week, and you know, Bellator sending Brian Moore over to a fight in Russia two weeks before they have an Irish card against a guy in his Bellator debut. Like, fair enough if this was the number 13 ranked or, or well, what is the top ten, number eight ranked or number nine ranked guy, and if he wanted to be in the top ten, it makes sense, but. Like, this made little sense. Fair play to Brian Moore for taking the fight. But uh, I don't know. If It just felt like the Kiefer Crosby last fight before they cut him. And I hope to God they don't cut Brian Moore because I think he deserves to be uh, in Bellator and earning some good money and things like that. And you know, even if they did, I think Brian Moore would probably get to the UFC if he wanted to get there because I think he's that good. And I, I don't so that's know. His first lo- that's his first loss of 135, is it? Yeah, I think it is, yeah. You know, he's... Yeah, so... Uh, I'd be very surprised if they cut him, but yeah, it was a we kind of mentioned on last week in the pocket. It was a strange matchup, strange, um, strange positioning on the card, and strange card for him to be on with, with the the Irish card. Everything about it was strange. Yeah, it was it was very odd. But look, another good performance in the third round anyway from Brian Moore. Good comeback, but you know the first two rounds, obviously with that the takedown. Like Mikhailov watching him, all the tape I could find of Mikhailov was a striker, you know, and I'm, I I mentioned on one of the, the podcasts last week that, you know, when you're coming from the gym, he's coming from over in Russia, there's no doubt you have good wrestling too and he's going to throw that in. So I'm sure Brian Moore was aware of that, but maybe he thought there would have been a little bit more striking, but Mikhailov was having none of that and he had a smart game plan. Look, he looks like a good prospect as well because you're not a good prospect, uh, or you're, you're not a bad fighter or not a bad prospect. If you go in there and beat Brian more, you know, and uh, he's he's a, definitely one to keep an eye on going forward. But um, yeah, I, I hope Moore gets uh, another shot, and I hope he gets uh, a couple more big fights because he's put in the work and he really, really deserves it. So uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was a fun fight, you know, a fun fight overall. Uh, and in Fedor Milinko in the uh, in the main event, the grand retirement uh, fight. Although, uh, although he retired, <laughs> looking forward to his next one. <laughs> he retired before he even retired during during the week here. Ah um, uh, well. Yeah. So yeah, he went in there against Tim Johnson, and this fight kind of went as predicted. I said someone to get knocked out in the first four minutes. It only took a hundred seconds for Fedor to get the knockout with the big right hand three piece. I saw people calling it. Um, Tim Johnson, like the one thing you Tim look Johnson at, just kind of walked into it. With, he, I don't know, yeah. what but Tim Johnson, he he will exchange with you. He will give you chances. It just felt like if he could have weathered a little bit of the storm and not gone for absolutely every counter, which he always does, uh, he probably could have won this. But I know I, I still thought he'd have enough, and I picked Tim Johnson. I won. You know, I want. Uh, 
I won't deny it. I know it was a close fight, but uh, Fader, Fader looked very fit. You know, I thought he looked as fit as he had looked in, in a good while. Looked trim, and you know there was a, a big difference in the weights. I think they were saying on the uh, on the uh, the commentary. But um, after a win like that, looking as good as that, quick finish. Very hard to see Fedor retiring. Although it'd be a great time for him to retire in, in Russia, but he didn't take off his gloves and didn't make any speech or anything. But I thought I thought he looked good. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Like he went in there and got the job done quick in kind of vintage uh, Fedor style. Uh, you know, uh, he's as you said, there's obviously a discrepancy in the weight, but that's that's always been the the case with, with Fedor, and he's just kind of used his quickness and his his right hand, uh, his right hook over the years and you'd think Tim Johnson will be ready for it but uh, he didn't seem to be so uh, yeah um, as you said I think somebody was going down early and I probably would have uh, lent Fedor going uh, winning the fight but you know obviously we've seen him we've seen him take some some shots that he used to be able to take with no problem and and have big problems with them, you know, thinking even a few years ago in the Matt Mitrione fight and things like that. So like when you're when you're fighting big guys who are heavier than you, when you're especially when you're maybe not as iron chinned as before and you're getting on in years, there's always that risk. But um, yeah, for Fedor, it's 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 a good win, you know. It's it's you know. Obviously, it's Tim Johnson. It's not. The, it's not. You know, a world beater or anything. But for for a guy of his age, uh, at the kind of end of his career, it's it's good to see him go in and get the win. It would have been probably a little bit sad if he had went in there and got knocked yeah. out in yeah, a minute or two by Tim Johnson. I think that that's why it'd be the perfect time to kind of leave it. But you know, I don't think he will. I think the Josh Barnett fight is still there. Maybe Junior Dos Santos. You know, there's probably a few fights there for him. Even Jake Hager coming up. You think, and... you think Donald Trump is still interested in putting that fight together? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. He could be. He could be. But anyway. Uh, right. Before we get to uh, UFC 267, we must tell you uh, we have an offer for our friends over the US and Canada. And with sports uh, betting season in full force, uh, the uh, the uh, I think the NBA season has just started. The uh, NHL is going on. Uh, hockey is coming back soon and all of that. And you need a sports with integrity and longevity like BetUS you may already know this but BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for almost three decades thriving and paying their loyal customer base that is BetUS.com B-E-T-U-S.com and they have loads of bonuses join now or call 800-69-BETUS that is 800-MY-BETUS and you'll receive 125% sign up by using the code SEVEREMMA they have re-up and referral bonuses also uh, BetUS is known as America's favourite sportsbook for a reason. BetUS is all your NBA and NHL games, a team and player props, uh, loads of NFL fixtures, NFL odds. You can keep up with the UFC, Bellator. They have loads of props on all of your big MMA uh, events, golf and the whole lot like that, casino, everything you want. Uh, they have it. They have every bet type imaginable and a sharp bet US mobile platform is easy with full betting options. Follow my lead and get your phone online and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. Bet US, you bet, you win, you get paid. So go to uh, use a co- promo code Severe MMA. Get a hundred and twenty percent sign up bonus when you join on Bet US. Check them out. Um, Right, Graham. Let's let's talk a little bit about uh, Bellator or uh, UFC two six seven, uh, which is coming up uh, next week. And actually, 
we have a big PFL card as well. Let me just quickly run through that before we get to that one because that's coming up uh, on, uh, I think it's Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, but we'll, we'll check that out anyway. I, I, I'm doing a preview for this for Sherdog, so we won't get into it too much, but there's some very, very good fights on this. Top in the card is Kayla Harrison against Taylor Guardado. I don't think uh, that'll be much of an effort for her, but Magomed, Magomed Karimov is rematching with uh, Ray Cooper, Clarissa Shields. It's a bit of a tough fight, I think, against Abigail Montez. Um, Mavlid Kabulev, who beat uh, Brendan Lachlan, is fighting Chris Wade uh, for the 145 belt. Capiloza in the heavyweight division against Anton Deja. Antonio Carlos Jr. for the 205 pound strap against Dinmar's Martin Hamlin. And then Reich Labozov for 155 pound belt against Rosh Maffeo, or Hausch Maffeo even. And then there's debuts for Julia Budd, Omari Ekmedov, and Don Madge in the, in the PFL as well. It's a fantastic card, Graham all the way up and down who you who are you looking forward to seeing what um what title are you looking forward to seeing on the line Kayla Harrison your your girl I think yeah. is obviously the main attraction uh even though you know we're probably expecting um a pretty smooth uh sailing victory but uh it's always interesting to see because when when you got such a kind of hot prospect an up and comer you know um She's kind of had it all her own way, and you know uh, there isn't really much competition for her. But you you do learn a little bit every fight, and you you never know which fight is gonna she's gonna run into some adversity. And I think yeah, I think she's probably gonna you know do what she always does and have her own way and run run through run through her opponents in PFL. But I think she's definitely the the most interesting fighter on the card. Uh, I I would agree with that. I think um, I don't think Gordado, from what I've looked at her, does doesn't bring much. Um, she's a good wrestler, but like her wrestling is not going to do anything against Kayla Harrison. I don't think she's just going to get thrown to the ground. Like I think a big issue for a lot of people fighting Kayla Harrison is their inability to stop her breaking that distance to come in. Um, and just nobody is athletic enough or good enough to do it, and I don't see anything in Guardado that suggests she is either. So that's a that's a big big issue. But like I think fight at night will probably be Magomed Karimov against Ray Cooper. I think like Magomed Karimov will take him down, but Cooper will make it hard, and he will try to you know wrestle with him, and he will stop a few takedowns and land some big shots. So that that's going to be fun, you know. It really is uh, going to be fun. And like the the standout person for me watching taping this is uh, is Capilouza, the heavyweight out of Brazil. He reminds me of, like a young junior dos santos he just throws a lot of big shots and a hard hard hitter and uh you know, Antin deja coming from croatia you would think he was he would be a kickboxer he is a kickboxer but he likes a few takedowns as well and i think he will be trying to take him down but uh yeah and and um i can't say his name but like radzabov in the 155 pounds this guy is a fucking an animal he, he he reminds me a little bit of justin gaethje he just comes out and he gets hit as m- many times as he fucking hits and he doesn't give a shit and he just goes full forward so it's actually a really really good pfl finale card so um i think it's i think it's free on youtube so if you're tuning in on it's on wednesday actually uh and i will have a post show on that as well on sure dog so yeah that's that should be fun uh and check out my uh my um preview for it during the week as well but and, and, and if you have a uh, 25 grand and want to win uh one euro uh you can put money on a uh... Kayla Harris. Yeah. <laughs> that's, be the way to do it. that's that's actually that's probably actually worth taking. Uh, I think she's uh, she's probably worth more than that. But anyway, um, right. Let's get into UFC two six seven. This is oh what a card this is. This is absolutely fantastic, uh, and it's an early one for us as well. Um, 
we're going to have, so we will have the betting show on Friday. I'll have two betting shows this week because uh, we're sponsored by BetUS for the next couple of betting shows, so that'll be fantastic. Uh, and then there's another UFC 268 the week after, and we'll have two podcasts next week uh, for that. So we'll have a post show from 267, and then maybe Monday or Tuesday we'll have the pre show for UFC 268. So I don't know if there'll be a QA or not next week. We'll decide then, but we will have two shows next week. So everyone look forward to that and all the rest of the, you know, I will be above in Dublin for. Uh, for Bellator as well but that's in like 10 days or 2 weeks time so we have a busy busy period coming up so sign up patreon.com forward slash severe by podcast you'll get all early access and everything there but um, first of all anyway we won't get too far ahead of ourselves UFC 267 like even from the from the bottom up there is some fantastic stuff on this Macwen and your Cami I'm your Cami against Lerone Murphy I'm a huge fan of Lerone Murphy I think this guy is the most underrated prospect coming out of the UFC in Ireland 10-0 on 1 I think he'll beat Amir Khani, to be honest. And I think I like Amir Khani. He's a good test for him at this stage of his career. That's a really, really fun fight. Uh, Aleki Zaleski is a fun fighter. He's fighting an 8-0 guy out of France. He's number one uh, rated here. I'm looking at in topology. Benoit Saint-Denis. So that should be fun. Uh, uh, Roman Kapilov as well. He really impressed last time out fighting uh, Albert Durev. And there's lots of Russians. And Amanda Hebas is on this card as well against Virna Zhendiroba, who's been really, really good in her last few fights. Uh, Zuberia Tohugov. I hope Artem isn't there. <laughs> he's, uh, he's fighting Ricardo Hamas. Uh, and, uh, you know, didn't we get to the to the main card Ankalaya versus Odzimir what a fight that is what a fight Li Zhang Liang versus Hamza Shimaev the, the, the prospect is finally back after a long battle with COVID let's let's start with that one Graham what do you think of that fight because that's a that is no easy fight to come back after a long period out with a very very serious bout of COVID it's a that's a big matchup for Hamza isn't it yeah, well, it's it's hard to know. Um, you you kind of know. We've heard of athletes. You know, you can be in the best shape ever you've ever been in. You you get this. You get this COVID, and uh, some people are fine within two days. Some people it, it goes on for months, and we don't we don't really know the extent of it. Which you might have, but it seems to be pretty bad. It kept him out for a long time, and he's a guy who likes to keep active and you know talks about how he wants to. He or when he when he was winning his his. UFC debut and his first few fights, he was talking about how he wanted to stay active and kind of work his way to the top of the division. So, I'm I'm thinking this was a pretty serious, you know, um, uh, reaction to COVID, and it'd be interesting to see if he if he's actually over it. But you know, if if he's over the COVID and it's just a layoff and the kind of setback, I think he he should he should win this fight pretty handily. But there definitely is extra questions around this fight, and it's it, it is a difficult opponent to come back to, as you said, if there is some kind of lingering issues still going on with the COVID but um, I, 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 I probably think that he's that he's kind of you know taking the time to get over it if, if he's been out for this long and that he's back to you know uh, uh, what he was before and if I was a betting man which I am I'd, uh, I'd, I'd go for Shimaev and you know uh, we might not get odds this you know this good again on him uh, until he fights what price is he? championship level or yeah, um, I'm actually not sure what price he is but I looked at it before I think he's I'll pull it up here I'll pull it up here one second best fight odds Shemaev oh that's they're still up tonight's ones up jeez we'll bet in them quick <laughs> we'll say that and we'll bet them he's, uh, he's minus 400 what's that in your odds? oh that's uh, that's that's a big a big favourite so you have to bet 400 to win 100 oh okay so, no. yeah, okay well, yeah, four to one on, like, yeah, like, 
If you're if you're putting an accumulator together, that might be a good one to, to add to it. Yeah, I don't know. What price is uh, Jingliang plus 330? I'd be betting a Jingliang at that price, to be honest. Like, Shamaya seemed to have it really badly. He was talking about retiring and everything. And, you know, fucking... Kar- What's his name? Kadarov came out and said, oh, he won't be retiring. And he's like, well, like, fucking guess I won't be retiring. So, you know, I don't know. Was that a fucking threat or a request to not retire? So, yeah, I don't know. It's a... I, w- I definitely, definitely, without a shadow of it, I wouldn't be back at Hamza at a minus 400. Or I'm looking at minus 450 in some places, but I would definitely not backing him at that price anyway. But uh, I think that's a good fight, because Jing Yang is a good fighter. and he's He will make it tough and make it rough. He won't make that easy for one fucking second throughout that fight. So that's going to be a banger. But anyway, look, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, and I know everyone is as well. Um, uh, I think, though, Jim, I have, like, uh, I know we haven't seen much of him. Like he, When we've seen him, he's been quick, but he looks to have sharp hands. And he, uh, yeah, he on the is feet, very he looks, good, yeah. looks, looks be quick and his takedowns are very efficient and once he's on top we've seen what he can do so yeah I definitely wouldn't be betting against him anyway yeah I wouldn't um yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Alexander Volkov, then Martin Tybora, big fight, kind of the the mid level of the heavyweight division there. Um, Islam Makacha versus Dan Hooker. You know, a lot of people are kind of okay. Dan Hooker, he's an absolute gangster for taking this after only fighting a couple of weeks ago. Makacha was looking for someone. I don't think it'll go that well for him, though, to be honest. I do think Mikachev will just be able to kind of take him down whenever he wants and dominate this fight. But if Hooker can assemble a couple of takedowns or even survive for the first couple of rounds, wear Mikachev out a little bit and maybe yeah. uh, come on. No, no I don't, I don't think, so. think so either. No, I'm just talking it up here. I'm just. Gonna get, yeah. He's going to get wrestle fucked, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if he is. Anyway, uh, then we've Petrian against Corey Sandhagen. And this is a fight. Oh my god, I'm really looking forward to it. So I need, do you know what? This is the sort of fight I need to think about a little more during the week, to be honest, because it just came up there and I was like, okay, so what? Uh, it was, I don't know. No, you I think, think so? I think uh, I'd be very confident, Peter Yan here. I know, I know, Sandhagen. Yeah, I would you know, too, but I think as a fight though, yeah. a fun fight. Oh yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be. Oh, sorry, I, I thought you were. More, you weren't sure who was going to win. I uh, know. Yeah, I'll definitely begin. But like, I, I do think Sandhagen poses some problems because. Like, Jan is the type of guy who tries to walk you down and tries to land those big left hooks coming in and make it, you know, make it tasty in the uh, uh, in the clinch. But, like, Sandhagen does as well. He likes to throw little elbows inside and make it tough and throw those knees coming in. And, I don't know. I, I like, I, I don't think by any means this will be an easy win of, of Jan for Jan. I think this will probably be the toughest fight of Jan's UFC career uh, so far. I know he fought Megamed, Megamedov, wasn't it? Is that his name? There's so many Megamedovs, and uh, he lost him, but fought and won the, the rematch. But this is... um. You know, this is a tough fight, and Aljamain Sterling falling out, uh, it all, it's almost a better fight, I think, even though Sandhagen lost to Dillashaw. It was, it was kind of an odd one. Um, you know, a lot of people thought he won that fight. It was a very close fight, obviously, but, yeah, I'm look, I'm really looking forward to that. And the main event as well, Glover Teixeira versus Jan Blachowicz. Well, uh, like, to, I feel like Glover and Jan are two of the most underrated guys in the UFC. We've been talking up Glover Teixeira now for what feels like years. Um, for yeah, how and I've been picking against Jan for what seems like years. Yeah. As well. <laughs> who are you going to pick this time? Is it Glover again? Are you going for him? Uh, to be honest, like uh, I've picked against Jan so many times that, like, if I just keep picking against him, surely, <laughs> surely, sometime I'll be correct. He'll, he'll just by, right you know, now. even a broken clock is right twice a day. He'll retire. And, and, and I'd, love, I'd love to see Glover do it as well. To be honest, like, just I'm glad he's getting his shot, and uh, he's been so underrated. And we've we've talked him up. We've we've picked him in in fights. He's been big underdogs in over the years, a lot of times, and we've always kind of um, championed him, as you say, but. 
it, it, I think he is the underdog in here, but I, I, you know, he could get it done. He hasn't met, met his victory here, and I have a sneaky feeling he might get it done. To be honest, yeah, I, I, I kind of have a sneaky feeling for Blahovic. To be honest, I just think, look, I think Glover Teixeira is one of the most underrated wrestlers in the in the UFC. Never mind the division, but Jan Blahovic is a very, very good wrestler as well. You know, as we saw against uh, against Izzy, and he's striking. I think he's a little bit better of a a, a technical striker than Glover. And he hits hard and as Glover well. Glover has slowed down a little bit yeah. as well, in fairness. Yeah. Glover hits hard as well, and he's a, he's a good striker. But I just think I think it will turn into a boxing match or a kickboxing match because I don't I don't see many takedowns in this. Now maybe there will be, you know, if someone is hurt or if someone just decides to change levels in the middle of it. Both guys have the ability to take the other guy down. I think I think maybe especially Blahovic, and it's usually the opposite when I talk about Glover share, and everyone knows that if you ever listen to me analyze a Glover fight, I'm always talking about Glover's takedowns because it's so good. But I just think Blahovic will be a little bit too strong, and yeah, I just I give Blahovic a little bit of the advantage in the wrestling and a little bit of the advantage in the striking. So I have to pick him to win. As much as Glover share was kind of team sheeted and a, a big favorite of mine for years. You know, Sean Dini will be happy, but I, I'm probably just picking Blahovic to win this. But I, I look, I, I think what this will be is five rounds of a, a tectonic, titanic battle. I really do. I think it's going to be a, a fucking brilliant fight. Um, and there's going to be lots of brilliant fights, honestly, on this card. I'm really, really looking forward to it. And uh, I can't wait to see it. And we'll obviously we'll be talking more about it uh, before it happens and, uh, and after it happens as well. Um, so, yeah, one last thing, actually, before we go the Cage Legacy last week, we kind of mentioned it. Um, the full results are up on severemay.com now. There are some big wins uh, for Max Lally out of X- SBG Ness. I know a lot of people were talking about that. Lewis Byrne got a good win. Uh, Troy Gibson, Aaron Connolly, Rory Burke, uh, Taylor Quinn. You know, all the results up. Um, a few of the Phantom Lads got wins there as well. Connor Nolan out of C-Mac. Uh, Aidan O'Boyle. Josh Sampson, Adam Herzig, who's been around for a good while now and fighting uh, fighting a good while as well. Um, and there was a few of the cadet uh, fights on this as well. But the one fight that had, um, had, had a big, big controversy after it was the uh, Nuarez uh, Bar- Bar- Barasca fight against Darren O'Brien. Um, Barasca is fighting out of Tiger Muay Thai, apparently, but he was fighting Team Torres' Darren O'Brien. Um and I, I, I was actually sick during the week, so I wasn't kind of right in with the whole thing. But a few people asked me a few questions about it, and I looked at the footage. Um, there's a one very slow-mo replay of it. So what happened was um, a guy got kicked on his way up from being on the ground, basically. Head kicked, knocked out, kind of knocked down, but then KO'd, and immediately afterwards, immediately stopped by the referee afterwards. It was ruled at the time a disqualification for a grounded kick. And to be honest, when I looked at it first, I was like, oh, shit, it was. Um, so abs- I think uh, Declan Larkin was the, the referee who's been refereeing for a long time. Absolutely no mistake from him in any way, shape or form. It was the right call for everyone well, in there. But then you, they showed the replay and showed it kind of from the back. It's real ultra, ultra slow motion. It was up on Facebook and it was... From that, it was uh, a fair uh, blow. It was it was a head kick win. He had only the soles of his feet on the ground. So 
I think Cage Legacy, along with the Irish Mixed Martial Arts Association, overturned it. So IMMAA tweeted, this decision has been made to overrule the DQ decision at the Cage Legacy event. This was an extremely difficult call to make in the moment. But following a review of the footage, it has been declared a victory by KO. In my opinion, the right thing was done. I, I think the referee made the wrong call at the time. The wrong call in retrospect, see, but not the wrong call at the time. If you know see, what I mean, I couldn't. In the footage, yeah. and I didn't see the fo- the full footage. The footage I saw, we couldn't see if he was actually knocked out or not. You could just see it landing and kind of yeah, reacting. Well, he, so he got knocked down did hard he ha- and finished. Did he have? Did he have the chance to kind of come back, or was no, it just stopped then and no, there? No, it was like, stopped we, at the right time. Yeah, no, no, there was not. So was it TKO? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, in real time, it did look. Oh, that was borderline, and. You kind of like, oh, I need to see a replay on that one. But obviously, the ref doesn't get a replay, and yeah, obviously, Deck Larkin's there in the in the heat of the moment. But I, I kind of maybe it's because I kind of would want I I'd want the rules to be changed where you could soccer kick knee and downward elbow twelve to six, all that stuff. I think you bring that in, and people will change their or fighters will change their game to. Yeah. you know avoid that. that and I think I think he should be able to do that but as the rules are at the moment you're obviously not but I think the ref obviously this is a really close one and it's hard to call in the moment but ideally the ref should not disqualify somebody unless they're sure that something bad is, something illegal has happened if they're not sure I think the benefit of the doubt should he should be allowed yeah but like yeah, that, and you that, can't be sure of something that didn't happen yeah but that's that's fair but also it was so quick that from from the angle as well, it looks like it did. Like it's from the ba- the angle behind the fight that you can quite obviously see he's not grounded. From the other angle, it could look like he's grounded. Like there is a perspective to it as well, Graham. It's not just yeah. No, no, I know. But you yeah. know, uh, fair play to the the Irish. Um, uh, what is it? The oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, because you know we've seen how hard it can be, even if the video evidence is in your favor and shows that a wrong decision was made. Again. Usually in MMA, no matter what the evidence is and how strong your case is, true, you're just yeah. wasting your time. Mm-hmm. So fair play to them for overturning it, you know, straight away and getting getting the right result in the end. But I would like to, you know, um, maybe if something that happens and the ref isn't sure, it can be like a no contest or something if there's no video replay. But it's good to see that they that they got the right decision in the end. And you know, uh, I suppose you know they were kind of lucky that the the footage kind of showed it because you know we've been at loads of Irish MMA shows where you know you, you might be you, there might be one camera recording and it's on the wrong side and you don't see it or there's there's a pillar in front or you know the refs in front of you or something as well and you you, you can't actually get the get the footage and it would have been very unfair for a guy who won by KO to end up with a with a loss on his record so yeah I, I just think the actually the biggest question for me coming out of this is like do the IWMWA have the authority to overturn this? Like, and like, and you know what? I'm glad they did, and I'm glad that they're taking this on as a ruling they should make. Because hopefully, in the future, that's what we will have. You know, but at the moment, who are the IWMWA? Right? They're like, they're not. They have nothing in law. They're no. Well, did they consult body. with the with Cage Legacy and Cage Legacy made the decision, or what was uh, the? No, I think Cage Legacy consulted with them, and they made the decision more than anything. But yeah, look, and you know, um, it was Derek Kiki who was the guy who's a referee who's done a lot of uh, IMAF competitions and stuff, and he's 
he's the guy kind of over that at the moment, the guy running running the, the IWMWA in terms of the officiating part of it anyway. And I think he made the final decision w- together with the rest of them. But yeah, it's, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm happy with what happened. But my biggest question would be, can we get to a stage where this is actually like a real thing that could stand up in like a court of law now it's not going to go there i don't think but you know what i mean like we want this to be official we want this to be an actual thing that is you know <laughs> going to going to stand up for everyone so I, it's uh it's a weird situation that we've been what, how long has it been now since the death of joe carvalho four or five years and we're still in the situation where we the iwmwa has barely gone nowhere and done nothing you know so it's uh, although they have done something, so I take it back. They have done something here, and they they made the right decision, the right call. So I'm glad they did it. But um, yeah, it's it's maybe a, a, no, it, it's it's a conversation we have every so often when something pops up. And I think was it um, Ian interviewed one of the guys from it a while back, and he asked him the questions, and they're like, oh, we're doing stuff and we're moving, but like nothing never seems to happen. And I don't know we hear nothing from John Kavanagh or any. I don't know what the fuck is going on to be honest. But look, events are coming back now anyway, so. Maybe maybe it doesn't make any difference, but I don't know. I don't know. Um, right. Have we talked about everything, Graham? I feel like we've packed an awful lot into our uh, one hour and, and eight minutes here. Have we anything left left to talk about? Prediction prediction for the, the Liverpool Man United game. Don't do that to me. 4-2 um, Liverpool. What do you think? Oh, I think it'll be tighter. I think it'll be 2-1 Liverpool. I think it's going to be a lot of goals. I'm a little bit worried about the Manchester ref, but, um, you know, obviously you mentioned that UVA documentary and, um, you know, uh, it's very suspicious uh, (laughs) that there's a Manchester ref. Who's the referee and how is he from Manchester? He's from the greater Manchester area, like Manchester United are. Where is he from? Like Wigan or somewhere? I have no idea. Sure, fucking Liverpool is nearly greater Manchester. Sure, right alongside each other. He could be uh, closer Merseyside. to Liverpool. Merseyside. I uh, know. No, Liverpool isn't even part of England. If you ask the people there, <laughs> fucking Liverpool people are the biggest. Sure, it's more pricks. Irish. It's more Irish than it is English. Oh, he's a giant. Like in the what was of it? Half England. a million of them went over there. The, the nearest port back when the the British uh, murdered murdered all the Irish during the famine. Look. Isn't that awful? Allegedly. Oh, allegedly? What? What's... <laughs> oh, allegedly, the amount of people. Oh, yeah, okay, fair enough. I thought you were... Uh, we le- I think we leave it at that, Graham. <laughs> we'll move on. We'll move on. What's your thoughts on, uh, what's your thoughts on Henry Shefflin taking over the Galway job? Um, I don't know. I don't know. What's your, what's your thoughts on uh, Stephen Kenny? Should he be sacked or stay? Uh, he should stay because who else are we going to get? Like fucking yeah. Mick McCarthy's free again because he got fired again but like <laughs> do, uh, do we really want to go back there I don't know. Tony Pulis is available he's free great man Chris Wilder he's a good manager uh, I don't know I don't know I don't know like at least at least Kenny's you know he's in there now he's 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 kind of altered his football <laughs> a little bit to kind of suit the Irish players he's you know he's not trying to play the kind of the same um, Man City football that he was trying yeah, to play. In fairness, yeah. You know, he, he has adapted a little bit, and if we if we bring in a new manager now, ugh, are we just going back to square one? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'd say keep him on a while longer and see if he can kind of keep up this slight turnaround in fortunes that has has come in in recent weeks. Yeah, yeah. All right, you didn't punch any DJs during the week, ranting, no. <laughs> 
<laughs> allegedly, allegedly. allegedly. Ah, we leave that. Yeah. Did we talk about Bear Jaw? I don't know. Conor McGregor. Oh, here, actually, that that, gives, that that gives me a good um, Morrissey. That gives me a. Yeah. Okay. Go on. Go on. We leave it there. So oh, everyone, go on. Graham in the podcast with a good Morrissey. Let go me on. pull it up. Let me pull it up. Ah, uh, pull so it up. I, I, You're breaking so the fourth wall the... here. What are you doing? Like, this is. I think we should. Okay. Ju- I think we should do like an after show every podcast now and just like talk shit for five minutes after the podcast. I like this. Okay. Go on. Here we go. Hang the blessed DJ because the music that they constantly play, it says nothing to me about my life. <laughs> Thanks, Connor. We'll see, we'll see you next Tuesday or Sunday, probably. Good luck. <laughs>